0: We are glad that you are here with us. We're glad to have our scouts program, and and, uh, I know Kirk has asked us a couple of times here and there, do we think this is a good program? Is this a good thing that we're doing? We've all been in unanimous vote that yes it is, and we are certainly glad that you are here today, and uh, today, uh, a couple of years ago, I I was caught off guard and my sermon was not a very good one for for y'all being here, but today, I prepared a sermon that that is right in line with something that I want you to know about. And so we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, Something that I wanted to to share with you. We have several tracks in the the back of our auditorium. And you are welcome to any of them. On the shelf in the back though. um, I know some of you may come from different church backgrounds or what have you. Um, If you're not familiar with the Church of Christ. uh, We have some tracks that say what to expect when you visit the Church of Christ and it has some information about uh, who we are and, and what we believe and why we believe it um, so that might be some, some good information for you uh, if you don't, don't have a church home uh, we would be glad to have you here at Mars Hill and we've made up some some tracks that have some information about our congregation our service times um, on the inside there's some information about uh, each of our elders and myself um, and so if you would like to pick either of those up, then, then uh, feel free to. They are on the shelf back there. There are some other flyers on the shelf, and, and we have a little track rack on the, the wall also. Uh, but feel free to take any of those, take advantage of them, take them home, and, and look over them. If you do have any questions, uh, we want to encourage you to ask. Uh, but if you have any questions about anything that is said in the sermon, anything that we do in our worship service, or anything about our congregation, uh, you can certainly ask any of us, and we'd be glad to answer those questions for you. The lesson that I have chosen for this morning is entitled, My Wish for You. And I've handed out sermon notes. I think most everybody has them. Um, and you can use those to follow along. It's basically the outline of the sermon today. You can take notes on that. Uh, but My Wish for You, and basically uh, what the... the Lesson is all about is becoming a Christian. My wish for you is that you become a Christian. If you're not a member of the church, then I would wish that for you. I would wish that you be a follower of Christ. It's the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. I remember a few years ago, well, several years ago, my dad and I had a conversation. I decided to obey the gospel. And so I talked to him about it. And he asked me why, and, and, and I guess answered the questions right. And I was baptized for the remission of my sins. And it was one of the best days of my life. And I remember my dad saying, it's more important than any day that you will ever experience in your life, the day that you become a Christian. I hope that you remember this date. And I do. August 31st, 1998. 1998. He said that he was going to knock me over the head if I ever forgot it, if he were to ask me. He said it's more important than the day you get married. It's more important than any graduation that you will ever have. Making the decision to become a Christian is the most important decision that you will ever make. And I wish that for you. Christianity has saved my life. I'm a better person because Jesus is in my life. I I treat others well. I, I make better decisions. I'm, I'm overall happier than I would be otherwise. Those around me know that they can trust me to do what is in their best interest. Because as a, a rule of thumb, as far as Christianity is concerned, we put others before ourselves. I will not cheat them or take advantage of them. I w- won't try to hurt them because that's not who I am as a Christian. That's not who God wants me to be. And because Christianity brings out the very best of me, I want Christianity to do the same for you. Most of you are old enough to understand and to to understand the importance of becoming a Christian and to understand what that really means. I want you to become a Christian. And I want you to remain faithful in your endeavor to glorify God in your life. I want you to know God. More than knowing just who He is, most everybody knows who God is, whether they believe or not. But even more than that, I want you to know God on a personal level. I want you to know God Uh, in your experiences in life. I want you to see Him in all that you do. I want you to know how much He loves you. Because He does. If you ever have the thought in life that no one loves you, that couldn't be further from the truth. We love you. And God loves you. From a similar vein from which Paul and others have written, as encouragement for those to whom they were writing, I want to share with you what I wish for you and for your life. I do not know you the way that God does. I want for you the same things that God wants from you. And this I know from God's Word, the Bible. See, in this congregation, in the churches of Christ, we, we don't entertain, we're not here to entertain you. We're here to practice the truth, to teach the truth, and that's what I want to do. I want to teach you the truth as according to God's Word. My ultimate desire for you is that you learn from God's Word and that you would commit yourself to doing what is right and obedient according to the will of God. And even if you're not ready to do that today, feel free to ask and talk to us. Uh, We'd be glad to help you in that need in your life. I wish that you would believe. I wish that you would believe. Let's start with hearing the Word of God. If I want you to believe the Word of God, then the first thing that I have to make sure that you do is hear the Word of God. In order that you believe it, you must first hear it. Romans 10 and verse 14. Romans 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You see, my job as a preacher is to teach you what you need to know about God and His will for your life. And unless you hear the gospel, you cannot be obedient to it, either now or later. You must hear the Word in order to believe it. So what do I want you to know about Him? And even more importantly, what does God want you to know about Him? You see, He's given us His Word so that we can know Him, so that we can know who He is, so that we can know how to serve Him. What does God want you to know about Him? First of all, God wants you to know how much He loves you. And the sacrifice that He has made for you. And God wants you to know that. One of the, the key texts, one that you may be able to, to recite even without uh, seeing a Bible in front of you. John 3.16 For God's love the world. That He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God loves you so much that He sacrificed His own Son on your behalf so that you should not perish but have everlasting life. He is unwilling that any should perish. Second Peter chapter 3. In verse 9, and so he sent Jesus to die for you. God wants to give you eternal life. And so he has given his son to make that possible. God knows you. God knows you maybe even better. Well, not even maybe. God knows you better than you know yourself. Not just as a part of the world that we live in, but God knows you as an individual and He loves you. Jesus, teaching on the importance of fearing God in Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31, He says this, Matthew 10 and beginning with verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. He knows how many hairs are on your head, whether they be few or whether they be many, and no judgment on on that. But God knows the very hairs that are on your head, they're all numbered. He knows that because He knows you as an individual and because He loves you and He cares for you even more than sparrows, even more than any other creature. God cares for you. As a matter of fact, Jesus prayed for you. Did you know that? Jesus prayed for you, not just for His disciples and followers, but He prayed that you would someday believe. Look with me at John 17, verses 20 through 26. John 17, and beginning with verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory When Jesus said in the beginning of this portion of the prayer, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me. He prayed for all of those who would someday make the decision to become Christians. And he wants you to believe. And he prays for you. You must hear the word in order to believe. Let's talk about believing In God. Faith is the foundation of Christianity. You go back to Matthew chapter 16. Some of you may remember whenever Peter gave the great confession. Whenever Jesus asked them, well who do you say that I am? And Peter said, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says that upon that faith, the faith of Peter, he would build his church see, faith is the foundation of Christianity. Let's look at a couple of other examples from Scripture. Let's look at the Philippian jailer of Acts chapter 16. Not yet a believer, we are told, of this Philippian jailer. In Acts 16 and verses 29 through 32. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. If you remember the, the context, uh, there was a, an earthquake and, and the doors of the prison were open and Paul and Silas had been in that prison. As a matter of fact, they were singing and praying. And so after this big earthquake, the jailer is thinking, they're all gone. He ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas because they were not all gone They were all there. And in verse 30, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he was told in verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. You see, one of the first things that he had to do in order to be saved was believe. He needed to believe. For the jailer and his household to be brought to believe, they needed to hear the word of God. So Paul and Silas shared with them the word of the Lord. And once they were taught the word, they were taught also to obey it. And they did. In the way that Jesus stated in Mark 16 and verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. You see, the one that doesn't believe will be condemned. They won't pursue obedience. They won't pursue this faith. So I wish that you would not only hear the Word of God, but that you would believe in order that you might be saved. But beyond belief that you would obey, I wish that you would obey. It is of great importance that you also obey the commands of God. You see, we're told in Scripture that faith alone will not save you. James chapter 2, James 2 And let's look at verses 14 through 17. James 2 and beginning with verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Something that was said in our Bible class this morning that that may explain this better than than even I myself could. uh, And hopefully I say it right. But what we were talking about was that we are not saved by our works. The Bible says very clearly that we're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace, by God's mercy. But works are involved in our salvation. And that's what James is saying. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. He also says in that same chapter that even the demons believe... And tremble. See, there are things that are required of all Christians that we must do in order to be saved, of all people, in order that we may become Christians. These works alone do not merit the salvation offered to us, but when our faith leads us to obey, it also leads us to these works of obedience. And Christians are commanded to continue in good works such as these listed here. But before we can continue in these good works, there are certain commands that we are to obey to become Christians. See, faith without works is dead. And so there are certain things that are involved in our obedience that will lead us to salvation First in this list is confession of faith. Confession of faith. We've already talked about hearing and believing the Word. And beyond believing it, must also confess that faith, that belief in Christ as the Son of God. Those wishing to obey the Gospel are asked to confess their faith in Christ as the Son of God. Go back to Romans 10 for a moment. Romans chapter 10, and let's look this time at verses 9 and 10. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We have the example before us of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And let's begin reading at verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. In verse 35... Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, the scripture from Isaiah, uh, and particularly Isaiah 53, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may you believe with all your heart you may. And he answered, the eunuch answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Upon the eunuch's confession of faith in Christ he was baptized for the remission of his sins as according to Acts 8 and verse 38. Philip needed to know That he believed before the eunuch could be baptized, washing away his sins. He needed to to know that he understood. Whenever I talked to my father about obeying the gospel, he wanted to know if I understood what the purpose was, what the meaning of baptism was. And I did. He also needed to know that I believed. And so we we ask that question when someone is ready to obey the gospel, we ask, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? And upon that confession, they are obedient. Again, going back to Romans 10.10, with the mouth confession is made unto, toward salvation. Not quite there yet, but we're heading in that direction. Repentance is also important when it comes to salvation. Repentance. It's a big word, isn't it? But what is repentance? Have you ever been sorry for something that you've done? Or, or maybe you regretted it? I, I also teach in a preschool. And so whenever someone does something to someone, one of the first things that we tell our preschoolers Tell them you're sorry, give them a hug, and, and they'll go off and they'll forget all about it in about a minute. But repentance is more than just being sorry. It's more than, than just realizing a wrong and being sorry for doing it. But it's doing something about it. It's making a commitment to change. Uh, We don't want to commit that same wrong, so we're going to make an effort not to commit that same wrong. If there's a way that we can, can make up for a wrong done to another, then we try to do that. That's what repentance is. It's a commitment to change. The Jews, having erred from their obedience to God's Word and before the establishment of the church, were told to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the same message that was taught by John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, Matthew 3 and verse 2, and also by Jesus in Matthew 4 and verse 17. Both of them taught, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why did they do that? Because the Jews were in need of repenting before they could receive and believe what they would be taught about this coming kingdom, which would be the church. They couldn't understand the church until they were in a right relationship with God. So they needed to right their wrongs. They needed to commit to change. Repentance was also required of those desiring to enter into the church when the church was established. We go back to Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, and beginning with verse 37, he had preached a sermon. It was a sermon. And he had come to a point where he almost didn't get to finish his sermon really. It's almost as if he was interrupted. But in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. Jews present in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost which was the occasion of this sermon they needed to repent and commit themselves to change before fully obeying the gospel and baptism. And they did. Peter could have just told them "Well, be baptized if that was what they needed to do. But he also told them to repent. You need to be more than just sorry. You need to have more than regret for your past sins before you obey the gospel. But you need to commit yourselves to change. And so they were told to repent. And we're told in verse 41 of that same chapter, Acts chapter 2, that those who gladly received His word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They made that commitment to change and they were baptized for the remission of their sins. We'll get to that in a moment. Our commitment to change continues throughout our lives as Christians. It's one of the things in the steps of The plan of salvation that we repeat over and over and over again. Because we often find ourselves in thin. We find ourselves straying away from God's Word. And when we do so, we need to have that commitment to change. To try to change those ways. Not to remain in the the evil works that we're doing, the bad things that we're doing. But we have a commitment to change. Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2. Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2, Paul says here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You remember hearing of the sacrifices of the Old Testament? They would offer these sacrifices uh, to atone for their sin. Well, Paul says that there's a sacrifice that we make. We don't make the animal sacrifices that they did back then. But we are to present our bodies, our very being, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That requires a commitment to change. That requires repentance. And so repentance, as it was important to them even back then, so it is important to us. As we are not perfect, we continue reaching for perfection. It can only be found in Christ. But we continue reaching for that goal. Offering ourselves wholly and completely To God's service. Then we come to baptism for the remission of sin. You must hear the word and you must believe it. You must confess that faith in Christ as the Son of God and you must repent. You must commit to change. But you also must be baptized for the remission of sins as according to God's word. Again, let's go back to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Remember the question that they asked, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And what did Peter tell them? In verse 38, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They were told to be baptized, and they were. And when they did... They were added to the Lord's body by the Lord himself. But these Jews were not the only ones to hear such a command. They were not the only ones to hear that they needed to be baptized for the remission of sins. Let's look at Paul for a moment. Paul himself. In Acts chapter 9, we read of his conversion. Remember that Paul persecuted the church. And in Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18... Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord of Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, verse 18, there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once. And what did he do? He arose and was baptized And what was it that Ananias said to him on that occasion? We read of that in in Paul's retelling of these events in Acts 22 and verse 16. Acts 22 and verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Romans 10 and verse 13 mentions calling on the name of the Lord. Romans 10 and verse 13, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, now we find out how this is done and what that really means to call on the name of the Lord. See, as Ananias explained to Paul, he said, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. That's what Paul was doing when he was baptized. He was calling on the name of the Lord. And so when he writes to the Romans in Romans 10 verse 13. That's what he's talking about. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever obeys the gospel and is baptized for the remission of their sins. They're calling on the name of the Lord. Paul was baptized. The Philippian jailer, let's go back to him. We see that he also was baptized. In Acts 16, in verses 30 through 34, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. He was told first to believe because he had not yet believed. Believe and you will be saved. Once he believed, once he had been taught the word of God, he also needed to be baptized, and he was He was baptized for the remission of his sins. He obeyed the gospel at command of baptism. And finally, the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Why would he say that unless Philip had somewhere in his message said something to him about the need to be baptized. But he did. He understood that. He says, What hinders me? And Philip said, If you believe, with all your heart you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Verse 38, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. Remember that the Philippian jailer, he and his household, he rejoiced having believed in God with all his household. They had great reason for rejoicing because they knew that they had done what was necessary to be saved from their sins. The same as the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. The same with Cornelius and his household in Acts chapter 10. The same with Lydia in Acts chapter 16. And every conversion recorded in Scripture culminates. It ends with the baptism of the individual being converted to Christianity. Every conversion includes baptism. Baptism is an important step. And whenever we see it done, it was done immediately. There was no waiting. Hearing, believing, confession of faith, repenting, being baptized for the remission of sins. That's the plan of salvation as according to God's Word. You can read it for yourself. It's right there. And so, I wish that you would obey the will of the Lord Becoming a Christian through obedience to the commands of the gospel. Hearing, believing, which is faith. Repenting, confessing, being baptized for the remission of sins. And if you've obeyed, but strayed away from God, then we're also told what those need to do as well. You need to repent same way that Simon was told in Acts chapter 8 and verse 22. Repent therefore of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. It may be that you've obeyed the gospel but maybe you not remained faithful. And maybe you do need to repent and come back to Him. Maybe you need to ask for help. Maybe you need prayer. We always offer the Lord's invitation. This whole lesson has been about the Lord's invitation. And if you feel that you're ready, if you feel like you need to obey the gospel, then we'd be glad to take care of that need for you. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to come back. And we can help you with that as well. And if we can assist you in any other way, let us know. As we offer this invitation to you, it's the Lord's invitation. He wants you to come. Together we stand. Now it's what we think.